Well, these past few weeks, last four weeks, we've been um, listening through the medium of YouTube to a number of different talk, uh, talkers from different places, and they've been talking about different subjects. And uh, I believe each of these messages that we've heard over these last few weeks have been very relevant to us in our current situation because we're approaching a new chapter in the life of the church. And so this morning I want to just go back over some of the things that were spoken to us these last four weeks. And then I want to just add a few more words at the end. So we began on Sunday the 1st with Archie Coates, who's the vicar of St. Peter's in Brighton. And he spoke on finding courage. And the message that he brought was based on Joshua chapter 1. Let me just uh, share the scripture a moment. Right. He showed this particular scripture from Joshua 1 to 9, where it says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And what Archie said was that God gives us courage because of what we're going to face. And our courage is connected to our calling. And Joshua was being called to lead the people into the promised land. And God gave him courage and strength for what he was going to face. And as a church, we need to ask God for courage as we move into the future with him. And Archie added that we need to be aware that God is opening up extraordinary opportunities up and down our land for the church at large. We're coming into another season of grace. God wants to do things in our nation through his church, and that includes us and all the other churches in our town and in our nation. Find courage. And then the following Sunday, we heard from Stuart Bell, who we all know is the senior pastor at Live Church in Lincoln. And he brought a message about moving forward. He said that in hard times or after hard times, like we've been through now, people of faith respond in different ways. Some withdraw and some go backwards. Some will wander around moving from church to church. Some will procrastinate and delay or postpone taking action. They just put things off. They won't make a decision. But he said there are two motivations for us in the church to move forward. And they are the great commandment and the great commission. We need to love God more. And we need to love people more. And we need to make more disciples. And he also spoke of the need to move forward in our maturity as a church. The church nationwide needs to think more about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus 
in the 21st century. And Stuart referred to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, which says, let us stop going over the basic teaching about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Let's stop going over the same old basic teachings about Jesus. Let's go on instead and become mature in our understanding and in our thinking. And then the following week on Sunday the 15th of August, we heard from Nicky Gumbel from HTB, who called his message, Discovering Your Purpose. And he took as his text, Ephesians 4 verse 16, which says this, from him, that's Jesus, the whole body, that is the church, in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies, when each part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. And from that text, he spoke about the need to be connected. And it's in being connected we find our true purpose. When we're committed, when we're connected to God's community. For we're, com we're actually created to be in relationship rather than just being alone. And then he went on to explain that we, the congregation, are in the front line. Everyone in the church is on the front line. And he said, common mistake is that the clergy are on the front line. So when James comes next week, we think he's the minister, he's on the front line. But actually, if we look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 and 12, it says this. And he, that is Jesus, gave the apostles and the prophets the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints, that's us, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. It's us, the congregation, that are to be salt and light in society. We are God's chosen agents to make an impact on our community. And Nikki finished by emphasizing that it is only by every part playing its purpose. When every part is working properly, that the body of the church grows and matures and builds itself up in love. And in so doing, the church is better equipped to go out and love others. And then the fourth Sunday, we heard from Paul Blundell, who's a location pastor of a live church in Lincoln. And he spoke on the theme of a relational reset. And he reminded us of some verses in John chapter 13. And here, Jesus had just gone or got up from, his, from the table where he was sat with his disciples. And he took out his outer clothes and wrapped a towel around him 
and began to wash the feet of the disciples. Jesus knew that his own time was drawing to an end in terms of on the earth. And he wanted to convey to the disciples that it would be necessary for them to reset their relationship with each other. And so he tells them this, these words that we know so well. I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you too are to love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love and have love and unselfish concern for one another. The Amplified Bible actually has a really helpful footnote here. It says, the key to understanding this particular verse and other statements about love is to know that this love, the Greek word agape, is not so much a matter of emotion as it is of doing things for the benefit of another person. That is having an unselfish concern for another and a willingness to seek the best for another. Back in June, we heard a message from the pastor of City Church in New York, John Tyson. And Paul Blundell brought us something else that John had said. He said, the proof of discipleship is not how much we pray or quote the scriptures. The proof is in how much we love one another. And our love must be marked by Christ. We must demonstrate stubbornly loyal relationships. He used that term. Stubbornly loyal relationships. For in the future, we need to stick with and support each other. Particularly when new people may come into the church and they might disrupt things. They may not be used to how church goes. That's not a problem but we need to stick with each other, support each other, and encourage each other. And interestingly, Paul echoed what Nicky Gumbel said about being knit together in a community of God's people, in a living network of people. We are meant to be one. And he read from Ephesians chapter 4, Again, familiar words. Paul writes, So I, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. That is, to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. A life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation with all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and with gentleness, maintaining self-control and with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace each individual working together to make the whole successful. 
For there is one body of believers and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is sovereign over all and working through all and living in all. Four messages that I believe link together and prepare us for the future. The future that we're going to walk into with James and Hannah. But I want to bring just a few other words this morning. Words that were impressed upon me over a month ago and I wasn't sure when I should bring it. But I sense this week it should be now. What was impressed upon me was to bring the word, or at least to revisit the word Lord. You see, it's a word that is used throughout the Old Testament. It's a title for God. And in the New Testament, the apostles and the disciples used it when referring to Jesus. Of course, the meaning of the word Lord depends on the context in which it's used. In medieval times, in past history, it was used to refer to a man of high rank in a feudal society. But in our country today, it's a title. It's a form of address used for perhaps an earl or or a marquis. But it's also used as a title for certain high officials in the land, like the Lord Mayor or an Anglican bishop who's entitled to a seat in the House of Lords. But in the meaning that we find it in the New Testament, it's a submissive title for a person or deity who has authority and control and power over others. And it's in this sense that the term is used of Jesus and this morning I just want us to look at a couple of things that Jesus said himself about himself and probably one of the most well-known passages that relates an occasion when Jesus uses the term Lord is here in John 13 going back to when Jesus washes the feet of his disciples And the Apostle John records the instance and says, when he, that's Jesus, had finished washing their feet, he puts on his clothes and returned to his place. And he looks at his disciples and he says to them, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In this passage, Jesus is acknowledging and affirming his position of authority over the disciples. 
And he's clearly revealing his expectation that the disciples will follow his example. There is no suggestion here in those words before us that the disciples could take it or leave it, that they could do what they like, depending on how they felt. No, Jesus, their Lord, gave them an example, and he expected them to behave in a like manner. That was the Apostle John. And then Luke, in his gospel, we find another instance of Jesus using that word, Lord. And he uses it in a very challenging way. There was a great crowd of disciples that gathered around him and people from the areas around in the land. And again, looking at his disciples, Jesus said to them, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Matthew adds something else. He relates exactly that same story as Luke. But he proceeds it with another one from Jesus. Another warning, if you like, from Jesus. Jesus, again, saying to his disciples, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew them. That's quite stark. That's quite clear. And Paul emphasizes that message of Jesus in his letter to the church at Corinth. And he reminded them that Jesus died for all so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to him and for him, the Lord Jesus, who died and was rose again, who rose again for their sake. It's because of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, that he deserves our service, our worship, and our submission. And I close with these words from Philippians chapter 2. God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth.
and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So as we move into this new chapter, let's take courage. Let's move forward together. Let's all play our part. Let's demonstrably love one another and ensure that in this church here, Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we call you Lord all the time. But sometimes we don't make you Lord. We don't allow you to be Lord. It is so important as we move into this new time, this new season, that you are Lord amongst us. If we as a church are to grow, it is important that we allow you to lead us from the front. That we come together, that we are one in you. That we submit ourselves to your lordship. That we are united. Lord Jesus, may you have your way. May you have your way with us. For your name's sake and for your glory. Amen.